Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. New at 10 major disappointment tonight in Chicago's LGBTQ plus community following the abrupt closure of this iconic nightclub. Berlin Nightclub. This place was an institution for the queer community in Chicago. And it closed last month after nearly 40 years in business. The club's owners blame rising operating costs. The hospitality union Unite Here Local One, which had been working to unionize workers at the club, says employees are heartbroken, calling it, quote, the wrong decision. The closure happened while negotiations were stalled between the club's owners, Jim Schumann and Joe Webster, and its employees who organized a union this past spring. The union wanted higher wages and health insurance. The owners said those changes would make Berlin, quote unquote, non-competitive. Then the union claimed that the owners stopped negotiating and communicating, according to Block Club Chicago. Honestly, it was a lot of back and forth. If you want to look into it, we've linked to statements from both sides in the show notes of this episode. In announcing the closure last month, the owners did not mention the union drive. Instead, they cited, quote, the expenses of increased security, insurance and licensing, equipment, rent, and more, end quote. Over the past few weeks since Berlin closed, I've been talking to folks who spend a lot of time there, some patrons... It is so sad <laughs> that Berlin is closing. A DJ. It felt like a secret almost. It felt like something that you wanted to hold very, very close to you because spaces like that really don't exist. Another DJ. I know it's just a space, but it did feel like a loss, like a family member or a friend. And some folks who listen to the show also left us voicemails with your favorite memories and some of your feelings about Berlin closing. Thank you. We're going to play all of those voices for you to hear today. I never got a chance to go to Berlin, but hearing from all these folks, I know I missed out. I got the overwhelming sense that Berlin wasn't just another dance hall in a big city full of dance halls. It was a community. It gave people hope. It gave people a home. It invited their weirdness. I get the sense that Berlin was a place to just live and let live. I remember coming down the steps at the Belmont train station and seeing that facade and going inside. And it was sort of like it felt so big city-ish. This is queer writer and historian Owen Keenan. The thing that amazed me about Berlin was that When I came there in 1984, it was on, like, it was on the edge. And it stayed that way for 40 years. Like, it stayed on the edge. And when you say on the edge, you mean, like, on the pulse? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, where where a lot of times clubs that are that way sort of then kind of, three years later, kind of fall away because they're not the place to be anymore. Oh, I see. Berlin was the place to be. For 40 years. Right. Stay relevant. You know, okay. Interesting. And relevant with young people, too. It didn't age with its audience. Like, how do you think it kept that relevant 
edge um, all over through, throughout the years? I have no idea about whatever they, <laughs> no, I really don't. Yeah. Every year you get, I get further and further from, I'll have young people come into town and they'll go, where should we go? And then there'll be a Saturday night. And I said, you know, I'm in bed by 10. I don't know where to, you know, I'm the last <laughs> person you want to, a 60 year old man is a gay man is the last play person you want to ask, like, where's the hot place to be? Because yeah. if I know about it, it's not. Right, right. So the fact that Berlin did, sort of attracted the same kind of cool audience for 40 years just i'm floored by it i yeah. think it was just an incredible achievement yeah it was a wonderful place and it was the perfect place for me to discover when i discovered it yeah what tell me about what what was up with you at that time and and why it was so important um well i think like a lot of people who maybe went to berlin for me it was coming out of like a time of conformity mm. and realizing you were queer and needing to express yourself and finding a place where different was cool, mm -hmm. individuality was important, and it was a place of queer expression uh, musically, stylistically, persona-wise. People reinvented themselves there sexually for people it was a, a just a big place of uh of discovering and a lot of people sort of finding their personal voice yeah owen told me that during the peak of the aids crisis in the 80s and 90s places like berlin were kind of like social media but irl pre-internet bars were also community centers mm. that's where you went to get the news that's where you went to get the papers hmm bars like Berlin became so important because that was how we got through the AIDS crisis. Mm. There wasn't a lot of outside help coming. This help was all coming from inside stuff, you know, and our fundraisers were really important. And Berlin was always there. It was always there. Being together and all those things coming together made it much more than a bar. You know what I mean? It's that was the saddest thing is it isn't like, oh, this bar is closing after 40 years. That's not the sad part. That's sad. But the sad thing is, is all those memories and all those memories of so many people who aren't there and all that stuff. When you don't have that facade with kind of the jaunty lettering to see when you come down the Belmont mm. train station. It's, it makes you feel at risk for like losing those memories as well. So that's the story that I tell about Berlin is it was just like a home. This is DJ All The Way K. She was a resident DJ at Berlin Nightclub for more than 15 years. I asked her to visualize it for me. When you open the door at Berlin, what do you see? I would say a little bit of everything. You know, it's dark, but there's still bright lights. There's a, a lot of dancing. There's a lot of character, you know, both within the club and like the patrons themselves as well. Like you will always see somebody dressed however they want to express themselves. 
It could be leather. It could be lace. It could be a clown suit. Like you honestly, like you kind of <laughs> never knew what you were walking into, but you knew that it was going to be exciting. Kay says she got into DJing at Berlin through the Stardust family, which is a group of friends that started throwing weekly parties and community events at Berlin in the late 2000s. Kay says a big part of Stardust was bringing in celebrity guests. Drop some names. Um, drop some names about early Berlin <laughs> celebrities for us, like Cakes Tequila, uh, Megan the Stallion, uh, Lizzo. There's so many queer and or alternative or other, you know, celebrities. Uh, Brooke Candy. I could go on and on for some of these names. Along those lines, like what did Berlin represent for you as a space? For me, honestly, it was just uh, freedom. It was a little bit of trouble at times, too, you know, because it being like so dark and so alternative, it felt like a secret almost. It felt like something that you wanted to hold very, very close to you because spaces like that really don't exist. And once things become like a little bit more popular, then things become complicated and it's harder to maintain that type of unity sometimes. Talk about like making that transition from like a patron to like working there, kind of getting into those inner workings. It it felt like you were becoming a part of the foundation of like its existence. I mean, even as patrons, like you feel like that as well because you are supporting the bar. But, you know, being able to go down in the basement of, of any place like that feels special. Does it feel like the closing of Berlin kind of has made these types of all-inclusive spaces more scarce? Yeah, but they've always, like, kind of been, not to say always been scarce, but um, for my generation, they've been fairly scarce. So, unfortunately, when we do lose a space like this, I don't personally see things coming back that have, like, the same energy, but I also understand that, like, we don't move forward without change. So it's kind of up to us to figure out how to create spaces like that or, you know, revive that sort of energy. Greg House was also a DJ at Berlin. He says he's kind of Berlin's unofficial archivist. I guess because I was so passionate about the venue, just by default became its archivist, I suppose (laughs) you could say. It's not exclusively a queer queer space, but it is a significant part of Chicago queer history. And I think it's important that these sort of things be preserved and that years from now when the place has been closed, people will still understand that part of our history. I asked Greg the same thing I asked DJ All The Way K. Tell me what you see when you open the front door. The thing about Berlin, it was just one dark room. There were four bars and one main bar, which had two bars and then two. So it was like basically a dance box. You couldn't escape the visuals and you couldn't escape the music. Yeah. On the main bar side, the music was a little bit quieter so people actually have a conversation. But for the most part, you're in there and it's, especially on a crowded night, the whole place was just electric and you would feel the energy in all, every corner of the room. And there were so many nights like that, either that I've experienced both as a DJ and a, and a patron, someone who wanted to come in on my night off to see someone perform or see someone DJ. It feels like it was so much bigger of a space than it was because of the energy of, of it on its best days and its best nights. Greg, as a person who 
has worked and been a patron of Berlin for so long. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine you're pretty involved with the community really closely. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder if you can talk about what the closure is going to mean for people who work there, who made art there and who really felt like it was a home for them. Well, I think, I mean, and I, I've, I've been slowly but surely reaching out to other friends in the community. It happened right before Thanksgiving and it's just been a hard thing to really uh, talk about. I mean, it's, it it's sort of, I know it's just a space, but it did, it did feel like a loss, like a family member or a friend. Mm. Um, and I think if a lot of people are feeling that, I think a lot of people, this was, this is the type of place myself included that gave them opportunities that maybe some other venues wouldn't have given them 10 years ago because they, their drag was too weird or their music was too weird, or they were um, a person of color that wouldn't be able to play on Halstead street back in the day mm-hmm. that could play in Berlin or, you know, the trans community. I mean, there were so many people who were being showcased there that weren't getting these opportunities other places. And it, it was a space that would take chances in ways that other venues wouldn't. My name is Andy. I live in Bucktown. Hi, my name is Damon Green. My name is Emily Goldstein. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. Chris, also known as Chrissy Beatface or Miss Chrissy. My name is Timothy French. Hey, it's Lisa Pachinovich. I'm calling about memories about Berlin. I am leaving a message regarding my favorite moment at Berlin. Back in the mid-80s. My friends and I would go to the club, the Lucky Number, Neo, Todd, all the fringe kind of bars to dance and listen to music. But when the bars closed at 2 a.m., we uh, uh, would head over to Berlin because Berlin had the best music and they had these stages in the middle of the floor. I don't even know if there were stages, there were boxes. Anyway, we would all take turns and you could dance your heart out on the little box and everybody would see you and it was a place to, you know, see and be seen. I'm 64, and I'm so glad they were around for 40 years. It was a great club. Halloween 2018, after the party I went to, we ended up at Berlin. I'd never been in a place that was really like that before, where it felt like everyone was doing their own thing, but also everyone was there in it together. So I'll definitely miss Berlin. Uh, my most favorite moment was when they used to host Vogue for Tots. It was a wonderful event, especially getting the ballroom community in that space and celebrating like queer, queer black and brown individuals. It was just a wonderful event to participate in. And yeah, that was my memorable moment. My name's Ollie. I'm from Oklahoma City. And I first went to Berlin this summer. It was a super memorable experience. I saw a woman smash a bottle on stage and crawl in glass and bleed everywhere. So, yeah, I'd say that's probably my favorite memory. It's my only memory of Berlin. Hey, this is Daniela. I live in Lakeview. And in 1990, when people didn't come out as easily, A guy I went on a date with when I was in college took me to go dancing at Berlin. And when I saw him with the other guys having more fun than with me, I realized, hey, I think we're just going to be friends. That's my Berlin memory. It 
is so sad <laughs> that Berlin is closing. Berlin was just such a great safe space for people like myself and others um, who don't normally fit into, I don't know, whatever society is. And I remember the first time I went, I felt like I had found my space, my my nightclub, my, my going out spot. Um, and after a couple of years, I started doing drag and Berlin was the first place that I went out to when I was in drag and met so many um, amazing queens and, and folks in the drag community in Chicago. I turned 21 during lockdown and I, like many, realized that I was transgender, non-binary during the pandemic. I had been waiting for so long to go to Berlin. And then the first time I went to Berlin, I was surrounded by people who were just like me for the first time in years. It was like looking in a giant mirrored disco ball and seeing myself in fractals around the room. <laughs> I just remember a, a stranger called me beautiful for the first time. It was this major moment of feeling finally seen as who I am and who I've always been. We closed Berlin down. Everyone had left and we were the only ones there, like hanging out with the employees and like dancing. Um, so when I think about Berlin, I think about that great memory. Hi, uh, this is Derek Lundgren, age 33. I have a lot of memories at Berlin Nightclub, which recently closed um, due to some of the cancel culture kids. Um, one of my favorite memories there possibly was performing under my uh, performer named Michael Phoenix um, as Violet Bullegard from Willy Wonka in a fat suit doing the Oompa Loompa song, but in scream, the style of Screamo. I performed many odd acts like that at the Harem of Oddities in Berlin. I, I will sadly miss Berlin Nightclub. Um, I, I think it's so sad of what has happened and wish there could have been some kind of negotiating. I am sad that it does not exist anymore, but I hope that whatever comes next in that space has a similar level of dedication to the community, but also pays its employees a living wage. It's sad, but I don't feel in good conscience that if even if I was still living in Chicago, that I could have a good night out at Berlin if the workers weren't being treated right. So, yeah. Definitely miss it. I miss that community. So I hope that others can find another safe place to be and express themselves and feel safe. Thank you. Thanks. Rest in peace, Berlin. I will miss you. Big thank you to Ali, Andy, Daniela, Timothy, Chris, Lisa, Damon, Derek, Jessica, and Emily. Now, before I let Owen, Greg, and Kay go, I asked them if they thought something else could pop up in Berlin's place or whether the journey could continue. Yes, I think it's possible. But I think it takes sort of like timing and magic and the right combination of people, you know, the right mix at the right time. Yeah. And I, I, I'm hopeful that that will happen because I really hope that 
there's that sense of belonging that so many young queer people of that age really need to find. So, I mean, I, as someone who's older, I really hope that happens. Um, yeah. I needed it and, and the younger people deserve to have it. It's slightly difficult for me to conceptualize that as I've gotten older, because we were so less inhibited when we were younger, you know, like, young and wild and free. It was kind of the, the vibe at the time. Whereas now I'm like old and cautious and rowdy. <laughs> so like there's there's definitely like a balance in between all of those things. But we also have to kind of sit and think about like what that looks like in the long run because in order for us to continue to have spaces like that, they also have to be sustainable. Not just for the the vibe, but for the, you know, the employees and, and stuff like that too. Yeah. I'm sure there will be other places that open. There's always something new. And I would love for something that has that spirit to, to flourish in Chicago. And I'm hoping that that will come around again one day. But, you know, for now, it's just that is going to be a big, a big void. The energy in the community will not be lost. I know there's, it feels like there's some division in between things, but this is also a great opportunity for people to listen to each other and really just figure out what we need in order to survive, not only as part of the community, but if we want to build something like this for the kids that come up after us as well. Yes, give it up for Delta, And that's it for today. Justin Bull, Sarah Stark, and I all produce The Rundown. Ariel Van Cleve edits the show. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Big thank you to our guests, queer historian Owen Keenan, DJ Greg House, and DJ All The Way K. Greg let us use some of his archival footage in today's episode. You can learn more about him on his Instagram at DJ Greg House. That's H-A-U-S. DJ All The Way K spends every second Friday on our sister station, Vocalo. Definitely check out her set. And Owen Keenan has written dozens of books about queer history. You can learn more about him at owenkeehnen.com. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. If you love the show, go ahead, look down at your phone or your device, do us a favor and review us. Just tap the little five stars. I would personally really appreciate it. And if you didn't get a chance to send us a voicemail or a voice memo for this episode, that's okay. We still want to hear from you if you got ideas for the show or if you just want to give us some feedback. We would love to hear from you. You can email therundownpod at wbez.org or call our voicemail box 312-948-4632. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.